It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the talk. <laughs> it's time for the Billy C. Show. You know, it's it's amazing what uh, a cold slash flu will, will do to your mind, right? I don't know. Who is this? What's my name? Anyway, it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Also, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now, where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. You'll see what I mean. Just read the book. If you're looking to get a signed copy, just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. It's all over there. And if you're looking to get multiple copies because, you know, you want to uh, give them away or, I don't know, just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll hook you up with that. Um, one other uh, thing of note. Uh, is I, I would like to uh, uh, tell everyone that we are doing another uh, Billy C. Uh, get-together. Uh, this time it's going to be taking place uh, in St. Simons Island, of course, but in, in August, and it's going to be a huge uh, uh, event. And um, I'll get these specific dates for you um, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, but this is going to be a good one. This one, well, not that the other ones aren't, but this one's going to be uh, huge. And uh, the bottom line is it's it's going to be, you know, three, four days of uh, events that we're going to be doing, and you got to be part of it. And uh, if you want to get on the list, because it's going to be an invitation type only, you're going to have to have some type of reservation to be here. We're going to include package deals. Uh, room, food, all of that stuff. Uh, there's going to be a fishing tournament. There's going to be a golf tournament. Um, maybe even have a, a, a Sal's uh, pizza eating contest. I don't know, man. We're going to be doing some fun stuff. Celebrities there. It's going to be a fight night. All of that is going to be happening uh, in August. So uh, it's time to make your plans uh, now. So uh, uh, make sure you uh, uh, get to do that. 
Um, coming up uh, later in the week, uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, uh, we will be doing uh, our blast from the past. And uh, this week's blast from the past uh, will feature uh, a former world champion and boxing Hall of Famer, uh, Tommy Hearns. Uh, so uh, you're not going to want to miss uh, uh, that. Uh, Alex Papali will join us for that. And also um, uh, boxing Hall of Famer and my main man, uh, uh, Larry Hazard, uh, will be joining us uh, as well. Uh, so you're going to uh, uh, want to be part of that uh, on Wednesday. Don't miss uh, don't miss the show. Now, programming note: uh, we will uh, be doing uh, a show all this re- the rest of this week. But next week, boys and girls, we're off. I know it seems like we're taking a lot of time off, but no, this is actually a, a vacay. Uh, the other stuff is uh, uh, things that we do, but uh, this is a vacation. Uh, we will be off all next week, we'll, we'll, but we'll be back. Uh, the following week. So uh, just a programming note uh, for you there. Um, I want to uh, talk about uh, the fights uh, that took place this past weekend. I got some news about uh, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker, and I got a whole bunch of emails uh, that I want to get to. Uh, All of that's going to start right now. But I think joining me right now on the line, even though he doesn't have his video or uh, uh, Mike up is uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, are you there? Billy C, I am here. All right. Well, uh, we don't see you, but we do hear you. So, uh, uh, how's things going, my man? Things are going great, Bill. Things are going really good. And uh, I think my Skype was uh, booting, rebooting. So, uh, it should be up in a minute. But, uh, uh, yeah, things are going really good. Hey, I have something really special I want to show everybody. If we can get the uh, video up in a little while, it's unbelievable. I have this, this, these these gentlemen that come in every year, and every year they come in, they bring a little bit of gift. We play a little Monty Hall, uh, let's make a deal thing, and they have a box, and they uh, ask if I want to trade, uh, uh, give them a pizza for the box or whatever. And this year, unbelievable. Wait till you see what they gave me. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, all right, let's get the ball rolling here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the first fight I want to talk about that took place this weekend uh, was the World Boxing Super Series. Hey, did it get any better than this? I mean, the World Boxing Super Series has uh, been a, a, a blessing for boxing. And, you know, it, it, it really bothers me that the U.S. missed the boat here on getting uh, uh, television for this. Every single one of these fights, uh, in, in case you've been under a rock, you know, the World Boxing Super Series uh, focused on two weight classes, the super uh, middleweight division and the cruiserweight division. And I think the cruiserweight division, um, which uh, has given us, I mean, actually all the fights have been really good, but the cruiserweight division is a division that I, I hope really takes off uh, here in the States. It's popular everywhere else, but, I mean, what we witness are big guys with a boxing skill generally uh they all come in shape and man this uh this this road to the final has been nothing less than spectacular this past weekend in the uh semifinal uh so now we have the final set uh in a very ent- entertaining fight uh for 12 rounds until the end uh Murat Gassiev uh knocked out Unier Dartikos in the 12th and final round, 
uh, to improve to 26 and 0 with 19 knockouts. Dortikos was undefeated going into the fight. He drops to 21 and 1 with 20 knockouts, and uh, this fight ended in spectacular fashion. Now Gaziov uh, will uh, move on. Uh, and uh, take you take on Usyk for the uh, for the final. Now, now uh, the best part of this tournament is that both of these guys going into the final are now unified champions. Uh, Gassiov now has a WBA and IBF belt, and uh, uh, Usyk has the uh, WBO and the uh, WBC belt. So, I mean, Sal, could we have gotten a, a, a better scenario uh, with uh, with this World Boxing Super Series? Let me tell you, it's like the stars have a line. No, I mean, you're looking at the best right there in that weight division. And how how can you clean up and define any way better than through a boxing tournament? And uh, I'll tell you what, my hat's off. Uh, it, it, it's exciting and it's great. And now we see the brackets narrowing. There's only two left and then there will be one. But it was a good fight, entertaining fight. And uh, I used the term ebb and flow. Um, I, I kind of felt the uh, momentum shift a little bit to gas you off. Uh, but uh, I want to hear your comments because that's, uh, I'll tell you, it was a great fight. I love watching the fight. Well, what I loved about the fight is it seemed back and forth. Uh, but then I thought Gassioff took control of the fight. And uh, although Dortikos was game, I mean, he was, he was there all the way to the end. But once he got rocked, it was kind of over. That uppercut uh, in the 12th and final round really, uh, really hurt Dortikos. And, um, you know, I, he he never really rebounded from that. He, he was battered. I, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. Eddie Claudio, who uh, was the referee in that, I, what was he thinking? Why, why did he let... I don't even think Dortikos should have been allowed to continue after the second knockdown. Uh, you know, why Claudio let him get blasted through the ropes to end this fight. I mean, I, I, I know it was in Russia, uh, but the bottom line is you still, as a referee, uh, should be looking out for the well-being of the fighter. What was your thoughts on that? I thought he did okay. I thought, you know what, if the guy showed hard, he was coming, he was trying to exchange and keep himself up. You know, I'm from the old school, Bill. I think I think it was allowed. I think it was good. You know, I will tell you this. In the 10th round, I think Gassiov knocked down Torticos because Torticos tried to hang on and tackle uh, Gassiov a little bit, and he was hanging on then, and that was uh, that was in the 10th round. That should have been scored a knockdown, I think, because if he if uh, if Torticos didn't fall or lean or hang on to Gassiov, Torticos would have been down. And uh, he, he uh, I think that should have been scored a knockdown, and maybe that would have uh, hastened the referee's call in the 12th round. But uh, I think going into the uh, the 11th or 12th round, I had the fight fairly even. And there was an ebb and flow, but I knew it shifted because you saw Zortikos, he was, he was, he was always pushing uh, Gassiov back. In other words, Gassiov was on the defensive, put his back to the ropes, but Zortikos didn't know really what to do once he had him on the ropes. He just threw one and two punches. There was no real... 3-4. It was a real big combination. And when I saw the momentum shift, was about the uh, 10th and 11th round, and that's when Gassioff was backing up Torticos. And then the end was just inevitable. Those were those were big shots, heavy shots, and that's what did away with uh, uh, Torticos, and Gassioff came up big. 
Yeah, that was the 11th round, I think, that you're referring to when uh, uh, Dortikos was attacking Gassiov and then got caught and basically held yeah. on. Yeah, um, but, yeah. but, but my point is, is that he was in trouble in that 12th round. I mean, it was the beginning of the round. You know, he wasn't. Obviously, it was towards the end. But I thought Eddie Claudio, I, I, I don't know. I think he should have waved that fight off. I don't think he should have waited until Dortico's got knocked through the ropes. He, he was in trouble after he was in trouble after the first knockdown, but he was in real bad trouble after the second. There was no reason for him to take the third. He, he couldn't even he was actually not even on his feet. Uh, so it was kind of it was kind of weird uh, to tell you the truth, in, in my opinion. Um and I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know if that was wasn't that the same. Uh, maybe I'm confusing it with another fight I watched. But wasn't that fight that first knockdown that he got? I, I don't recall a count. I, I, I like he let him continue. Am I confusing that with another fight? Or did he give him a full uh, eight count the whole time? I, maybe he started early when he was still on. I, I, I'm not sure, but I, I thought he gave him an eight count. Um, and you you were correct. It was the uh, prior round where he did uh, hit him and he kind of fell onto uh, Gassiel. But, uh, no, I, I I would believe that he did get an eight count. Um, the first knockdown. Started, I'm talking uh, about the, fir- the, the, the very first knockdown. Yeah. Um, okay, it, yeah. it seemed like... You know, once he got up and he said he was okay, uh, stupid Eddie let him uh, let him continue. Uh, normally, what happens is once the once the referee uh, rules a knockdown, the the timekeeper starts to count. Then the referee will look at the timekeeper and he'll have his hand up, you know, five or or six or whatever, wherever right. he picks up, and then the referee picks up the count. I didn't see that. I, at least, uh, you know, my uh, I've been under the weather, so maybe my mind is a little foggy. But uh, uh, but I clearly uh, think I remember that he didn't even get uh, the uh, the full uh, the full eight. So I I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I want to go back and look at that now because you got me curious and. Uh... And maybe you're right. It might have been a little hasty, but uh, I'll go back and look at that. Some other fights over the weekend in a grudge fight. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I had picked uh, Gassiov with a late stoppage. So did you, uh, I think. And uh, we were both right on that one. Another big fight that took place on the other side of the pond uh, in the cruiserweight division. Two young fighters, Lawrence Oakley and Isaac Chamberlain, going at it early in the career. I mean, I, this is what I love about these fighters from uh, Europe. Uh, they, they're not afraid to risk an O. And these two guys both had O's going in. And uh, Lawrence Oakley, uh, uh, you know, he won. He's uh, He won a unanimous decision, uh, 98-89, 96-90, and 97-89. Uh, he put uh, Chamberlain down in the uh, first and sixth round. Um, and uh, Isaac Chamberlain loses for the first time in his career. I have a feeling these two guys are going to meet again sometime uh, down the road, Sal. I think you're right, and uh, I, I think that will be a, a great fight in the second fight too. Also, uh, a fight no, that we was a, it was a, go ahead. Also, a fight that we talked about, uh, but we did not break down and predict. Um, Ted Cheeseman in a junior uh, middleweight division improved to thirteen and zero with eight knockouts. 
when he beat Carson Jones. Carson Jones is, is a legitimate fighter. Uh, Jones drops to 40 wins, 13 losses, and two draws. 99-91 twice, and one judge had a complete shutout, 100-89. So keep your eyes on Ted Cheeseman. One other fight that I wanted to talk about that took place on the other side of the pond, uh, Tom Schwartz, who's ranked number six in the world at heavyweight, by the WBO, I'm not so sure he deserves a ranking that high, but he was uh, uh, on his on the rise until an injury kind of kept him out of the ring for a little bit while, and he uh, got back in the ring and uh, took care of uh, Samir Nebo, uh, stopping him in the fourth round to improve to 20 and 0. Uh, Nebo drops to 10, 2 and 1. Um, okay, for the cards that took place in the U.S., ESPN Saturday night. Um, this was a terrible card. I said it was. I said I didn't like the looks of it, and it was terrible. This was a top-ranked joke of a card, Sal. I mean, uh, uh, first of all, the fights we knew were were not competitive. We knew that going on. Second of all, ESPN. Listen, I love ESPN. I love the fact that we get a twenty-four hour, seven-day-a-week sports network. But let me tell you something. Boxing and ESPN is like oil and water. It does not mix, and I'll tell you why. And, and I know people are shaking their heads, but I'll tell you why. ESPN gives priority to every other sport, whether you're watching tennis, whether you're watching Tinkle Winks, Winky Dinks, or whatever, bowling, football, basketball. ESPN will not switch over until that's over. Now they'll tell you, oh, go to our, go to ESPN News Channel and pick up the fight. Go here, go there. You got to switch your TV all around looking for the fight. You know, I can't stand it. And then here's a guy, me, who was never a huge Teddy Atlas fan. But let me tell you something: ESPN is not the same without Teddy Atlas. It just this new guy is terrible, terrible. And Timothy Bradley does a decent job. I liked what I heard from Timothy Bradley. And Joe Tessitore is is a great, uh, uh, you know, lead guy. I mean, if you've never seen him call college football, he's fantastic. But uh, I think that the boxing on ESPN needs Teddy Atlas. I hate to say it. I, you know, I'm not, I, you know, he didn't send me a check or nothing like that, but it, it needed it. Nonetheless, uh, WBO super middleweight champion Gilberto Ramirez improved to 37-0 and when he scored a... Uh, uh, one-sided beatdown uh, over Habib Ahmed, uh, who came in undefeated. But give me a break. This was all just a, a built-up record. He drops to 22-1. and one. The official uh, stoppage came in 2 minutes and 31 seconds. What did you think? Well, as you said, it was a one-sided fight. Uh, Ramirez, I couldn't believe how much bigger he looked. He's a, he's a large, uh, was it... Uh, Junior middleweight or super uh, uh, middleweight, he uh, he uh, he was a big middleweight uh, there, and I'll tell you what he uh, he did the basics. He uh, was definitely dominant from the bell on, and I gave him pretty much every round. Maybe if I was very generous, I could score the first round to draw just as a feeling out process. But he established, you know, his jab, his dominance. And keeping uh, uh, Ahmed backpedaling a little bit and on defensive because he was throwing some big bombs, and he threw punches with the intent to to make him uh, make him hard and, and hurt him. And uh, yeah, it was the sixth round he caught him and then finally put him out of his misery. But it was a one side fight all the way, Billy C. Um, the co-main event, uh, we got to see a guy that wants to become the next Manny Pacquiao, Jerwin Pretty Boy. Uh, 
and, and I I'm I know I'm murdering this poor guy's name, but uh, Ann Kajas, uh he improved to twenty seven and one with a draw, uh, retaining his belt uh, when he uh, uh, took care of business uh, against uh, his sacrificial lamb in Israel Gonzalez, who drops to twenty and two. One minute and fifty seconds of the tenth round is when that joke of a fight. Uh, came to an end. Any thoughts on uh, Jerwin Pretty Boy? Do you think uh, he showed you any glimpses of Manny Pacquiao? I think it's a little. Excuse me. I think it's a little too early to see the 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 ferocity and the enduring stamina uh, of a Manny Pacquiao uh, uh, just in this uh, young fighter's career. But he does have some skill. He does have a good mindset. And uh, I think in time, the next couple of fights, we'll see him in. Uh, we'll see if he has any define, defining moment in these fights when he gets really tested, like Manny Pacquiao has been many times. Yeah, I uh, I, I, I don't know. To suggest that he's uh, uh, like Manny Pacquiao this uh, this. No, I think that... it's a little far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. No. I think it's a little aggressive and a little bit uh, of a big bite to chew. Yeah, it's it's more like you should spit it out. But uh, also, uh, Jesse oh, yeah. Hart, Jesse Hart looked uh, looked uh, uh, d- very dominating when he took care of, of Thomas uh, Ambuano uh, in that fight. Uh, took care of uh, it in the, in the very first round, one minute and twenty eight seconds. Uh, Jesse Hart improves to twenty three and one with nineteen knockouts. You know, the funny thing about it is they're going. Ambuamba Bono is uh, you know never been down, never lost. Oh, next thing you know, boom, he's out. Uh, that was the I, you know what that was the uppercut that was the uppercut that uh, I was uh, confusing with all the fights I watched this weekend that was the uppercut that uh, that put uh, uh, this guy out uh, it, you know it just that fight stunk to me like I don't mean the the entertainment value I mean there was something fishy about that fight I, I don't know what did you think well I, I didn't see that the entire fight there Bill I caught glimpses of that and uh, yeah it it, it didn't have the real uh, serious tone of, of what I thought would be a good competitive fight, and uh, uh, it was. Uh, it is what it is, you know. It, it, did it smell a little fishy? I I, I can't say that, but uh, it wasn't as a as a real good competitive combat fight. Well, one minute and twenty eight seconds of the first round, and you know they're, they're trying well, to. Well, I know what they're I'm trying saying. to build. The guy went out there, and, and he, you know, just took well, they're trying to build it. They're trying to build the guy as. Uh, uh, granite chin and everything else, and uh, he laid an egg. But uh, and then uh, on Friday night on Showtime, uh, we had a couple of good uh, fights. Uh, but unfortunately, what seems to be the norm lately, um, Ronald Ellis in the super middleweight division and Junior uh, Yaunin, uh fought to a draw. Um, the way the judges scored, ninety six ninety four for Ellis, ninety six ninety four for Yaunin. And the third plant judge, as they were reading the scorecards, I said, this guy's going to have it even. And sure enough, 95-95, uh, the fight ends in a draw, setting up a rematch. Um, you know, if, if a fight is legitimately a draw, then so be it. Um, I, you know, this particular fight, I, I think it was a draw. I, I don't know. I, I thought... To be honest with you, uh, I did think that uh, Yaunin, uh started off, uh, you know, in in control. But I thought maybe Ronald Ellis stole it at the end. I, I don't know. I, I would like to see a rematch. Well, did you get the chance to see this one? I got home 
from uh, from uh, the pizzeria, and I put on Showtime. I just caught like the last round. Right. And then, unlike HBO, HBO shows those fights three, four times consecutively. I couldn't find it anywhere on Showtime till till uh, till uh, I think it just popped up uh, this morning somewhere. All right. uh, so I didn't see the rebroadcast yet. All right. Um, also uh, on that card, uh, Thomas Matisse. Uh, improved to 11-0 with nine knockouts when he scored a seventh-round stoppage over uh, Ronaldo Chania, who drops to 15-2-1 uh, and one with six KOs. Official time was one minute and uh, 31 seconds in the seventh round. And in the super lightweight division, Montana Love improved to 9-0 and oh with four knockouts when he scored an eight-round majority decision over uh, a tough Sam Tay, uh, who drops to 12-2-1, and 78-74 twice. And then, of course, the plant judge with 76-76. Um, listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Sal, you can uh, work on your video because uh, obviously you're connected, but uh, you need to uh, work on your video. Um, and uh, uh, we're going to take a short break. When I come back, Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker lands on Showtime. Is this the nail in the coffin for HBO? I'll be back in two. Billy will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, it looks like uh, we finally got uh, the technical marvel known as Sal Rocky Senecola online. What's up, Sal? I can't believe it. It does say I have a very weak internet connection. So okay, uh, all right. We don't have to happening. get into. We don't have to get into the technical stuff. I'll Forget talk to you about, about that. It, I'll talk I'm to you back. about that later. Back. I'll talk to you about that later. But um, hey, Sal, um, Joseph Parker. And uh, and and Anthony Joshua, a heavyweight uh, unification fight is going to be taking place on March 31st. It was announced yesterday that Showtime, not HBO, Showtime will be showing this fight. Now, they're also showing earlier in that month the uh, Deontay Wilder against Luis Ortiz fight. Um, I, you know, I, I think this is a damaging blow to HBO. HBO should have opened up their checkbook and did what they had to do to get Anthony Joshua and Parker on the network. To me, this is like a, a race with a couple of cars, and Showtime just shifted it into third gear and is just pulling away from HBO. Can they rebound from this? I mean, I mean, I, you know, is HBO losing interest in boxing? I mean, I admit that that, that the Three Stooges have to be they, they have to change. But Showtime's got a horrific uh, broadcast team as well, at least one guy, Ronaldo. Uh, but what is uh, Showtime, by gaining Joshua Parker on their network, what does that do for boxing and HBO? Well, of course, Showtime wants to step it up. They they always have. They're, they they uh, they should feel like they're pulling ahead as the elitist in the, in the group. But, uh, you know, HBO, I, for whatever reason, they should have signed, sealed, delivered, and, and secured that fight. Uh, well before it even got out to uh, for a bidding thing, 
But, um, you know, they dropped the ball there. And uh, HBO, they've got to really look at things and uh, really look at their team, look at what fights they want to go for this year, and look for what they're going to be opening up their pocketbook for. Because if they don't really pull into some of the big hitters, no pun intended, um, you know, they are going to be second string. I mean, it's, it's, it's suggested now, but it'll be clearly defined with their next couple of moves yeah. or lack thereof. You know, Anthony Joshua has proven that he's the biggest draw in boxing today. He's proven it. And HBO laid an egg with their with their last broadcast. And um, they don't really, it doesn't appear that they have anything big on the horizon except for the Triple G Canelo rematch, which is pay-per-view. Um, but that fight kind of, it doesn't matter where that's going to be. People are going to watch it. I think it was critical that HBO got the Anthony Joshua deal done um, obviously, Showtime anteed up more money. Uh, at, at this stage, I, I don't think HBO should have let Showtime win, uh, and uh, they did. And and Showtime now, I just think that they're really putting some distance, big-time distance, between themselves and HBO when it comes to watching uh, uh, the best fights on, on a premier cable network. Well, I think you're right there. And, and, and as I said, HBO should have really made – this an aggressive uh, move to secure and uh, unfortunately they did not do that and uh, you know it's going to go to two major networks one of the two major major uh, vehicles and that's going to be showtime out of the two um, HBO should have made a bigger stance I think it was a big short sightedness on their part um, okay I know you are a fan of Jeff Horn because of his style <laughs> and, uh, and what you know I mean him coming and, and basically beating Manny Pacquiao, even though I felt Manny won the fight, but nonetheless, I think that the aggression and the come at you, never die, never quit attitude of Jeff Horn uh, won over the judges, and it was also in his hometown, but that's besides the point. Um, now, Terrence Crawford, who moved up to uh, uh, the welterweight division, is uh, fighting his first fight, technically, in the welterweight division. And he has become Jeff Horn's mandatory uh, title challenger for the WBO. Now, we know that Jeff Horn had a stay-busy fight uh, uh, not too long ago. Um, but check this out, Sal. And, and I'm correct at you, uh, you know, favoring a, fi a fighter like Jeff Horn and his style, right? Well, you know, yes and no, Bill. I wasn't in love. I didn't, I didn't think Jeff Horn was the bomb. I didn't I say thought, that. In fact, I, I, I didn't say that. saying that. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people that are going to beat Jeff Horn. He's not, he's not a world beater by no means, but he was good enough that night to put it together in an aggressive manner to take the fight to Manny Pacquiao and out punch him, in my opinion. And he did win that fight. But no way do I think he's a world beater. I never said that you thought he no. was great. Never said no. you thought he was a world beater. What but I, I, yeah, I, I thought he was good. All I said was you like his style. Come at you and attack. Correct. You know what? You should be an attorney because you got me there. Yeah. I like his style. Come at you and attack and uh, uh, and throw the punches. Let the hands fly. So, so, yes, so that, I do. Okay. And yes, I did. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, it's it's an exciting way of fighting. There's no question about that. And people like it. But maybe Manny Pacquiao landed uh, more shots on him than we realize and maybe those shots had an everlasting effect on Jeff Horn and I'll tell you why because tell Jeff Horn why. says Jeff Horn says uh I know Crawford's a great boxer uh but there's a lot of guys out there with speed and skills that he has 
but uh, it's not going to matter. I'm going to beat Terrence Crawford, and then when I'm done with him, I want to move up and beat uh, Canelo. I'm going to move to to well uh, heavy uh, uh, middleweight and beat Canelo. Um, so so Jeff Horn is already convinced that he's going to take care of Terrence Crawford, and then move on up into the middleweight division and take on Canelo. Um, some pretty uh, pretty pretty That's big pretty, aspirations. What's your thoughts? Pretty bold statement. <clears throat> I you? think uh, he may be over chomping on the bit. I think Terrence Crawford Crawford is actually uh, I, I'm not going to disrespect or put Manny Pacquiao down, but uh, I know it was a uh, you know like I said he rose to the occasion that night. I think uh, I think he's going to uh, be in with a with a, a fighter who is more capable to deliver on the move and avoid the punches. And he's not just going to be a stationary target on the ropes like Manny Pacquiao was. So when Jeff Horn got Terrence Crawford with those punches and with that aggression, Manny, uh, uh, Terrence Crawford is going to easily sidestep a counter and move and be out of, out of distance for this guy to hit, and he's going to counter him. No, uh, I think Terrence Crawford is going to beat this guy and give him a boxing lesson. I agree. And <clears throat> Manny Pacquiao... Shouldn't have taken his foot off the gas. No, I think I think the age I think the age factor caught up with Manny, um, and he was just you know he didn't. He, Jeff Horn was the kind of fighter that was just throwing punches. They, they may not have been landing flush on his face all the time, but they were landing like you've suggested in the past on his elbows, on his arm, on his chest, on his neck, on his you know. And I think at one point during that fight, Manny thought he had to fight in the bag, and decided to coax. And, uh, you know, it ended up losing the fight for him. But Jeff Horn is making a huge mistake if he thinks that, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao is is equal to or better than Terrence Crawford. And I'm saying that Manny Pacquiao at this stage of his career because yes, earlier in his career, uh, you know, no one could have beat uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, when he was uh, on the rise. And, and that's why I always wish that he and Floyd had fought at least three or four years earlier because then – we could have put all of that right to rest uh, when they did fight. Obviously, Floyd uh, won that fight uh, easily, in my opinion, and um, I, I think that that was a uh, result of, of the styles that they both had. Floyd was much more preserved. But with that said, uh, Terrence Crawford is uh, no, no aging uh, Manny Pacquiao. And for Jeff Horn to not only look at Terrence Crawford as a, as a win, He's looking beyond them, Sal. He's looking beyond him to, to fight Canelo, who, by the way, in case somebody should whisper into Jeff Horn's ear, he's still got to fight Triple G before anything happens. So uh, uh, I think this is a huge mistake. I mean, it's one thing to be confident, but can't you be overconfident? Well, you can be overconfident. And I think Jeff Horn, you know, whether it's a, a, a false security and, and, and trying to make him uh, make it sound like he, he is bolstered up and he's able to handle anybody he faces. But the truth of the matter is this, too. And I've said, you, Manny Pacquiao, I think he overchomped a bit a little bit with all the weight classes he, he, he stepped up to. Yes, he was able to handle himself and do that. But don't forget, this guy started out as a flyweight. Now, I think Terrence Crawford, Terrence Crawford is a better size welterweight than Manny Pacquiao tried to be. And I also think that he's got more, uh, more boxing skills at a larger level uh, at this time than a fading older Manny Pacquiao showed us that time. Uh, and all due respect to Manny Pacquiao, because he was a world beater, and he was number one, and he was the best. 
Oh, there's no question. At least in my opinion, there's a warrior. A warrior. No I mean, he gave that. everything. Manny Pacquiao of yesteryear was not the Manny Pacquiao that stepped in the ring with Jeff Horn. And uh, don't anybody ever, ever put those two Manny Pacquiao's together that night because that was a different Manny Pacquiao. That wasn't the uh, Manny Pacquiao that we're used to seeing. No, and uh, that's my point about Jeff Horn. You know, <laughs> well, saying, that's what I'm saying. If he's he saying, was good enough to beat an old Manny Pacquiao that night, but he's not a world beater, and I think he's going to get a boxing lessons and eat some leather the night he steps in the ring with Terrence Crawford. No doubt. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. We come back. I got a bunch of emails to read. Sal and I will give you our thoughts on those. Uh, and all of that is coming up in about two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Programming note, we will not be doing any shows next week. On vacation. I know what you're saying. Wasn't this guy just on vacation before? No, 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 no. It was work. It was work. Now it's vacation. But uh, we'll be back uh, the week after. And for as far as I know, we don't have anything planned for quite some time. Speaking of something planned, don't forget August. I will get you dates um, probably by the time I get back from vacation. Now's the time. Start making the plans. We're going to have a huge uh, event in St. Simons, the best yet. Uh, lots of celebrities going to be there. We're going to have a, a golf tournament where you can play golf with these guys and gals. Uh, we'll also have a, a, a friendly uh, fishing tournament. And, and I'm even thinking, Sal, maybe have uh, some kind of pizza-eating contest at Sal's. What do you think about that? You know, we could. And, and you know what I gave to the girls the other night? I'll tell you, Sunday night. I make on a very rare occasion. And it happened a couple of years ago. I, I, I developed it uh, for one of our customers who wanted something completely different. And by our slice pie, our big 20-inch slice pie, what I do is I will make a lasagna pizza. And uh, I made some for uh, uh, two of my girls and uh, Mary-Kate and Emily the other night. And they loved it. It was uh, They couldn't finish it all, so I, I had to step in and offer to you know have a couple bites, you know, but... It's a, it's a, it's good. I want to give you my, 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 give you my lasagna pizza as well as I still have to give you my breakfast pizza, Billy. See, I know you, you let me down. Hey, listen, we're gonna read a bunch of emails, Sal. But first, uh, why don't you show us your, uh, your, uh, what, your, your thing you had there with my, the, my not... gift. I can't believe this. Okay, like I said, this guy comes in every year. One year he gives me, uh, uh. Elvis Presley glasses and and uh, the exact duplicate of Elvis Presley's glasses, and I put them on myself. Thank you very much. You know, I just feel like this. I grab the microphone, and then one year he brings me, 
I don't have any tattoos, but he brings me these sleeve tattoos that you put on. It has a skin tone and has all twos. So I had tattoos on my sleeves. It was pretty neat. And this year, he comes in, and just like Monty Hall, he had a pizza order for a couple pies. He was having beer. It was a couple, couple of his friends. And he says, Sal, in box number one, I am willing to trade this box for my pizzas today. And I said, you know, John, listen, uh, I appreciate your enthusiasm. And, and uh, you know, this is like Monty Hall, box number one. Uh, let's make a deal. You know, where's Carol Merrill, Chicago, 60609. Remember that? That was the old Spiegel catalog. Anyway, so I say that's fair enough. And he said, believe me, when I say you're going to enjoy this, and I think this is probably more valuable than what your price you're going to charge me for your pizzas. I said, John, I have all confidence. There's no problem. So let me open it up. I unfold this neatly wrapped box that went through the mail with all kinds of uh, cushioning and bubbles. And I pull out, I don't know how old this is, Billy C., but this is an old bell off a ring with the pull chain and everything. And you got it. I mean, how cool is that? Can you imagine if I hang this in my restaurant? I could see Heather bringing it all day for me. Bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, that's me too, hanging it in your restaurant. <laughs> oh, no. Look at this baby. Look, can you imagine this, Bill? I'd like to get the circa. I'm going to look for some serial numbers or something else. But look at this baby right here. Unbelievable. You know, the, the funny uh, thing is, is every single bell that I've ever seen uh, at, at ringside, unless that's, you know, real old, I, I've never seen a chain. I, you Normally... Normally it's a bell and they use a hammer. Yeah, I know. Well, that's uh, that's what I'm saying. I think you know. Oh my gosh! Look, it says John L. Sullivan. Yeah, oh, right. Mama <laughs> yeah, they didn't John even, L. Sullivan. They didn't even have it. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And I hope to see that hanging in the restaurant uh, well, next time that's I come my down. Fear. Should I hang it in my house or hang it? It could be my new doorbell. I could put it outside. <laughs> no, you should. Or put... in a pizzeria, I'm afraid there's going to be too many people pulling the chain. And yeah. they're already pulling my chains. They're, so yeah, you're pulling their chains all uh, the whole time too. No, I say, I say, put it in, uh, put it in with all the rest of the stuff you got at the at the restaurant. It would be great, right on my back, boxing wall of fame. That's what I'll do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's cool. I like it. Um, we got uh, some emails. Let's read some emails because I got a lot of them here. Uh, this first one uh, is from uh, my man Matt Quinn, my buddy up in Buffalo. He says, "Hey, Billy C. Wow." Can words even describe the beauty of the Gassiov Dortikos fight? I was fortunate enough to watch live with my father, and even as a fight fan of over 50 years, he said that this was one of his all-time favorite fights. Every ingredient to a great fight was on display. The best were fighting the best. The action was brutal yet skillful, and it ended in a violent fashion out of the judges' hands. Gassiov and Sanchez came up with a uh, tremendously effective game plan to take down a uh, supremely heavy hitter. <coughs> Excuse me. Gassiov displayed patience, poise, consistent bodywork, and effective combos that simply wore Dortikos down. One surprise for me was Gassiov's great defense. After watching him at the Prudential Center last fall, I didn't know he could... He could Oh, excuse me, I'm, I, I'm, my voice is uh, going pretty quickly here. 
He says, uh, uh, I didn't know he could or would fight that way. On the other side of the coin, what heart and toughness from Dorkikos. Quite simply, the damage he was taken in rounds eight on would have demolished most fighters. I have no idea what kept them up. I wish they had, uh, I wish they would match him versus Breedis for a consolation bout, but I would gladly watch Dortikos again. To top it all off, uh, this fight leads us to a mouthwatering cruiserweight undisputed championship uh, between Yusik and Gassiov. When this tournament started, I thought Yusuf was a clear favorite. Maybe he still is, but I will be in the Gassiov camp. I will make one prediction, however. There is no chance Yusuf KOs Gassiev. Murak Gassiev's neck may, uh, in fact, be a tree trunk. Kudos to the WBSS for delivering such a great gift uh, to boxing fans uh, around the world, around the globe. Now, he's got another comment here, but I couldn't describe this any better than my man Matt just did. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that this tournament, and this is why it bothers me so much, Sal, that the U.S. Uh, bigwigs for the television networks did not pick this up. Um, this is what you need uh, in, uh, in the sport of boxing. You need fight. First of all, you need fighters willing to take the risk and take the chance of losing their belt. Because remember, these guys all had a belt. And now yeah. when we're done, one guy's going to have all four belts. That's number one. Number two, not knowing who you're going to fight after, you know, that first seeding. It all depends on who wins. I mean, it, it, Matt is right, Sal. This had all the ingredients from the beginning of just making this tournament to the fight itself. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, let me tell you, Bill, uh, as I said earlier on, you know, how could we unify a championship? How could we do something? How could we get the boxing back into what prize fighting was meant to be? Recognize one champion per weight class and and let them reign as long as they can defend that title. And, you know, this tournament has been spectacular and it's defining Champions, It's defining spectacular fights, combatant fights, competitive fights. And I'll tell you what. Why it's not televised here is because there are no U.S. fighters. I mean, that's one of the reasons, possibly. And every everybody wants to claim ownership, and, 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 and that's part of theirs. And had we had some fighters from the United States partake in this tournament, there might have been some interest to, to pull it over here and, and highlight them. And I, I'm sure— but for us to in the USA just to not televise it or bring it into the living rooms or talk about it as much, I think it's short-sighted and, and it doesn't do the sport of boxing good because here you have an idea, an opportunity for everybody and anybody to go into an open tournament like this, a tournament of champions. That's what it should be defined as, a tournament of champions. And But there's no U.S. fighters with their managers, with their promoters, willing to put the belt on the line, the money machine on the line to to lose, to do this, to do that, and to start from scratch. So that's why we have it all in the UK's hands. My hat's off to them. You've said it before. They carry the sport of boxing on their back. Well, I, you know, because boxing has become so global um, with the yeah. advent of, uh, you know, technology, with, you know, how we're able to see fights and stuff, uh, to to suggest that it's not a U.S. fighter. I mean, look at look at Kovalev. He's not a U.S. fighter, and, no. and before he became a quitter, people wanted to see him. Anthony Joshua is not a U.S. fighter. 
People can't get enough of him. You know, for all intent and purposes, Triple G isn't even a U.S. fighter. Neither is Canelo. He's a Mexican no. fighter. So, I mean, uh, I just think they dropped the ball. And uh, I think the lack of knowledge, I think it had to do with the division. I think that because a lot of uh, people here in the States don't really follow the cruiserweight division, the networks might have said cruiserweight and super midway, but that's the genius behind Richard Schaefer. He picked two divisions where he knew that he would have workable fighters that are willing to take the chance. That's why a tournament like this could not work. I would love to see it, but I don't think it could work if he chose like hot divisions, like like a heavyweight division right now or the middleweight division or the welterweight division where you get all these guys. Could you imagine Errol Spence and uh, Keith Thurman and uh, you, know, you could sprinkle in uh, Danny Garcia and whoever else uh, at welterweight and uh, Terrence Crawford and, and Manny Pacquiao say, hey, okay, well, you guys, let's fight in a tournament. None of them would do it. You know, I mean, there's too much risk, you know, and, and this is why he chose these not-so-glamorous divisions as at least as the states here, the United States sees it. So um, uh, I love it. And, 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 man, has it delivered. There's no question about it. Um, Matt says, uh, in other action this weekend, I thought ESPN did a great job with their card. I know it was a showcase, but I was glad to learn more about these fighters and their stories. The piece on Gilberto and growing up uh, likely build up some fans. I had a few non-boxing fans with me on Saturday, and they enjoyed the event and would like to see him fight again. I acknowledge your comments last week regarding the showcase, but for these ESPN top-ranked cards, uh, some positioning is warranted. I think top rank is in the long game and has uh, had several great events. A few showcases to build up. Lesser known fighters will always happen. Overall, I'm happy uh, boxing's on ESPN. I'm sure top rank will give us many good bouts. Uh, an undisputed 140-pound title fight between Lomachenko and Rigondeaux and some great prospects and stories have been uh, uh, has been more in six months than the last two years of HBO. This leads me to two quick questions for you and Sal. What weights... Would you like for a second World Boxing Super Series? And uh, two, do you think Top Rank will finalize the lomachenko Linares fight for May 12th? Early, early chatter seems promising. Uh, and he also says, I see Showtime got Joshua Parker. Uh, Parker. Uh, can HBO be any debtor? Well, we had opened up uh, this segment saying about that. HBO seems to be dead. As far as the weights, Sal, uh, well, first of all, uh, thanks for your thoughts on the ESPN card, Matt. Uh, as you probably heard my thoughts in the beginning of the show, uh, I thought it was a joke. I really do. When you, you know, I mean, okay, you know, if you look at it that way, like you want to see the fighters, you want to learn about them, fine. But don't bill it like it's a it's a great uh, matchup because it's not. And I and and I think that this sport needs a solid broadcast crew. You know, uh, uh, people that know what they're talking about and don't yell and scream at you. That's what I think. But uh, what do you think about the uh, if the World Boxing Super Series uh, pick two more weight classes, Sal, which ones would you like to see? I mean, I just said I would love to see heavyweight and welterweight, uh, but I don't think that those fighters would be willing to do that. What, what, what weight classes would you like to see? Well, you, you said it, and I, I'm not avoiding your question, but there's so much, even with my earlier answers. Uh, you know, I think it was ingenious that he picked uh, Schaefer, the less uh, glamorous weight divisions, to highlight. And unfortunately, and I meant it was not the US, USA's apathy of not wanting to just broadcast it, but had there been a fighter representing or coming from the United States, 
then there might have been more of a likely decision to, to air some of the tournament or at least that fighter from the states. Uh, I would I would hope so anyway. Um, I I would love to see if this does uh, come to fruition, which it's going to be hard, Billy C, because like I said, a lot of the United States or a lot of the big top contenders or world champions in these divisions that are so popular, you know, they have more than one person to answer to, including their manager, promoters, and nobody wants to fork up a, a cash cow or golden fleece in the name of a tournament. So, uh, but I would love to see the middleweight and the welterweight division and eventually the lightweight division. If there was ever three, those are three glorious divisions. No, you're right. I, I too would love to see um, those divisions. First of all, what it would take is the fighter's willingness to do it. And like you said, all the management and everybody else involved. But we've talked about this many times on the show. At the end of the day, it's up to the fighter. The fighter uh, in the last decade has said to themselves, why should we take a beat and let's make the most money? Who cares about the fans? And that's exactly. that's the sad truth, you know, and uh, it is what it is. Well, um, it's a sad truth, but can you imagine? What about the first round draw? Okay, what do you think is going to happen? Here's these guys. They can fight for millions. They can do what they got to do. What do you think is going to happen if the first round draw, draw is going to have uh, Keith Thurman going against Errol Spence? Who the heck do you think is going to injure, injure, get injured? Or, or they're gonna, I don't know. I'm not calling either one of them uh, uh, wanting to not fight, but to do it inside of a tournament is going to be something that I don't think they're going to want to do. They're going to want to do that pay-per-view worldwide, titles on the line, boom and boom, big promotion, and a highlight as a showcase for themselves, not just a tournament. So that's why it won't happen here with, with some of those popular weight classes. But they can still do that. They, they can, can still, still have do the that, fights, but pay-per-view. What I'm saying is... It, 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 I don't see it in a framework of a tournament with brackets and where you're going to see a Keith Thurman drawing or fighting against an Errol Spence and a winner go on there or something else, unless they're in two different brackets. I, I just think for those guys or for not even Errol Spence, Errol Spence probably would be more likely to do it than I think a Keith Thurman. I don't think somebody in Keith Thurman's position, and I could be totally wrong, uh, would want to say, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and I'm going to enter the tournament, and let's see, let's see what the brackets draw, and I'll fight anybody anywhere. I'm saying some of our champions in the United States or some of the other champions in the popular divisions might not be so willing to throw that hat in the ring on that level against who they're going to just throw, throw it to the wind or who they're going to draw to fight. That, that's all I'm saying. And you're right. That's the problem. You know, it, it, they don't care about proving the best. They say they're the no, best, they and half the, and half the fans agree with them. You know, they say, "Oh, I'm the best," and all their little crony fans say, "Oh, yeah, he's the best." Yeah, well. um, another email. This one's from my man Jeffrey from Pennsylvania. He says, uh, "Hey, Billy C, just a shout out for the World Boxing Super Series." See, all of our viewers and listeners know that the World Boxing Super Series was a real deal. I mean, yeah, uh, smart you know, it, the problem is, is the casual fan, they, they're the ones that don't even watch it. But anyway, he says, these are top-notch fighters risking their careers to prove they're the best. And that's what boxing's all about. Uh, I finished watching Gassi of Dortico's two genuinely tough-skilled cruiserweights performing at a very high level. Uh, action from round one through the explosive finish in the 12th. Both fighters used their skill set to try to offset the others, to, and to be honest, both were effective in a very competitive fight. When Gassiev slipped that jab and landed that flush left hook, his honest reaction 
seemed to be that of saying, finally, what I've been trying to do paid off. Dortico showed great heart in getting up, but too much damage was done, and Gatsyov knows how to close the show. Dortico's crossed the line slightly from confidence to disrespect, but I attribute that to his youth and believe in his numerous skills. Gassiov is kind of fun uh, just because he shows great confidence and true appreciation for the showcase of this series. I am enjoying this whole series. Quality boxing. By the way, love the new fantasy matchups on the show. A fun addition. Um, Jeff, uh, I agree with you. Uh, uh, everything you said. I, I love the World Boxing Super Series, and uh, uh, we loved it from the time it was announced. And, man, is it living up to the billing. So uh, uh, thanks for the email. Uh, we got another one. This is uh, from Luke Thunder Breslin. He says, hey, Billy C. Oh, right. and Sal. Uh, first off, I just want to say the show on Thursday has finally drawn uh, a line under my thoughts on Mayweather. Uh, the, the analysis you guys gave and we all had, for me, summarized exactly my feelings on the man. I just want to thank everyone for their input. I feel that I'm finally at peace I just want to express my sympathies to the American boxing fans. The World Boxing Super Fan, uh, World Boxing Super Series fight on Saturday night is one of the best fights I've seen in recent memory. To me, it was a modern-day Rocky IV. However, Ivan won this time. Dortico's absorbed so much punishment and just stood there without flinching. Uh, however, it just caught up with him in the final round. Both these fighters are a credit to the sport for what they displayed in the ring Saturday. This was an all-out war. Gassiev took the early rounds. Dortikos was there the entire time. And to be honest, I was scared of what this man was doing. Not in a bad way. I just thought uh, he was otherworldly. Worldly. Uh, he says, the stoppage in the final round, there was no argument. Both fighters have raised their stock. And I think this is a prime example of what we've been discussing over the past few shows. These guys took risks. And whilst there was one winner and one loser on paper, there were no losers in reality. Everybody won here. I look forward to seeing the final in the World Boxing Super Series at Cruiserweight. I also look forward to seeing both fighters again in whatever campaigns they choose to do. This was a credit to boxing, a credit to the sport, and I just want to thank them for what they left in the ring. Um, it's hard to deny uh, these guys' thoughts. I mean, Luke uh, hit it on the head, and, and the, you know this, this kind of uh, falls to what I say all the time, Sal. The sport of boxing... You don't need to pound your chest and demand respect. And I think our emails today are, are living proof that if you perform in the ring at a certain level, people are going to, the true fight fans are going to notice and give you the accolades. You don't have to remind anybody. If, if somebody's reading what to think about someone else, then you're not a fan. I, I don't know. I, I mean, grow up and make your own decision and let the fighters show it to you, right? Well, you're right. I mean, and and what you just read from from uh, the viewers is right on. And and listen, they sent that email in, and they're left with the impression of what they saw as a good fight and a memorable fight. And those are the things that build the legends and build the 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 history makers and, and build everything that boxing was all about and represents to this day. And the fans decide for themselves. When they see something they like or they see a fighter they like, that's what I'm saying. They identify themselves. They identify their fan, their, that they're fans, and they will follow that fighter till the end. And uh, the bottom line is this weekend we heard from the fans. They enjoyed seeing what they saw. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it speaks volumes, you know. It and, speaks volumes, and, and they don't have to. And neither fighter said, well, I'm going to beat your butt. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna... We didn't hear any of that. We just saw two combatants get in a ring. The bell rung. Where's my bell? And boom, they were off. Well, and the fans know, are talking about the talking about it now. And that's what amplifies the fans' comments and feedback amplifies the passion and the heart of what boxing is all about. Despite, and that's all you need. Despite not having US television, it seems like a lot of people still watched it. And uh yes. I think I think the execs at the net at the network should open up their eyes. I got another email I'm gonna read and then we're gonna take a break and finish up the emails. I got a lengthy one uh, coming up after this from uh, my man Coach. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that in a second. But this one, this one's, uh, good morning, Billy C. and Sal. It's me, Raheem. <laughs> hey, Raheem. Uh, he says, I lost money on the Eagles, but it's okay for me because it's their first Super Bowl. I know that Joe Frazier was from Philly, and I was wondering why the city has a Rocky statue and now possibly a Super Bowl statue, but I think the city needs to put one up for Joe Frazier. And I am wondering why the city doesn't have Smoking Joe. Uh, I'm a big boxing fan and know my history of the top great boxers, and Joe needs a statue. Also, on my boxing, also on boxing, why is everyone thinking Joshua's going to beat Parker? Parker has the WBO belt, and Joshua has the lesser belt. And I agree with you that the WBA uh, does not really count. <clears throat> nah, you know, I, I don't have any comments for Raheem. Uh, any of the comments, really? Do you have any comments for Raheem? Yeah, I give I give Raheem some some uh, kudos and some uh, compliments here. I I I think he made some nice points. And you know, first of all, uh, uh, hey, I heard the other day, not to get too sidetracked, that somebody actually slipped a Tom Brady jersey over the Rocky statue in Philadelphia. Pretty gutsy, huh? I wonder when they did that between midnight and five. <laughs> I don't know. Didn't help in any way, but uh, the bottom line is, yeah, I could see, I could see a uh, Joe Frazier statue somewhere there, or or at least a tribute. And I'm sure there are. There's got to be something there with Joe Frazier in mind. Now, Joe Frazier was actually born and uh, grew up a little bit in outside of Hilton Head or on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, maybe even Buford. I think that was it. That's yeah, he was that, born. It's exactly where he was born in Buford, yeah, South Carolina. Buford, South Carolina. And, uh, of course, he made his home fighting state uh, by the time he was old enough to be reckoned with and uh, was Philadelphia. And uh, Philly became uh, – he became the prodigal son, not Rocky, but the prodigal son was Joe Frazier. And you can never deny the fact that Joe Frazier was known for that powerful, damaging, devastating left hook. And if he caught you with one or two of those, you were going to see lights out probably. But well, listen – he. The the reason why I think that Philly has the Rocky statue and not Joe Frazier, think about how many great fighters came from the, from, from the city of Philadelphia. I mean, you know, you'd have, there'd be no room for people with all those statues. I think that they put the Rocky statue because of the symbolic reason. And quite honestly, yeah. I don't think Raheem knows his boxing history because, you know, listen, Yes, I have said that I feel the WBO is a better belt than the WBA. But first of all, Anthony Joshua has, has the WBA and the IBF. But you have to look at who's the better fighter based on who they fought. And Anthony Joshua clearly has the tougher resume than Joseph Parker. 
I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, knocking Joseph Parker. I, you know, he, he, he probably could beat Deontay Wilder pretty easily, but he's not going to beat AJ. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, interesting email. What do you think? I think it was good. I think Raheem, keep it up, man. We, we, uh, it, it was very, very entertaining and gave us some things and that's why we're still talking about it. So good email, Raheem, on my view. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got a couple more emails to read, and uh, we'll get to that uh, in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, don't forget, we're not going to be doing a show next week. We're on vacation, but we'll be back the uh, following week. I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola, and we are going to read another email. This is a long one, so I'm going to read it in sections. This is from my man, Coach. Um, He says, hey, Billy C, I had a great uh, sports weekend. There was plenty of good fights and, of course, the Super Bowl. Uh, that is until between fights I watched some Super Bowl hype uh, show, which quickly deteriorated into a Tom Brady bashing party. What is it that makes people hate winners? I, I, after attacking him for his on-and-off-field success, his looks, his money, his wife, and solid family life, to my surprise, which surely must have been a producer screw-up or just the work of a short-sighted, blind, ignorant subordinate, they showed a clip of Brady answering a question about winning, to which he replied, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to kill me. It immediately rang familiar to me, and I later realized it was from Rocky Four, And uh, he put the link uh, for Rocky Four. It also reminded me of one of your shows a while back when you and Sal were talking about the country and the sports getting soft while everyone gets a trophy. Makes me wonder, what is it, what is it in today's culture that makes people just naturally hate winners? I know President Trump and Brady are friends. Even there, we get some bashing. Funny thing is, is I watch a president actually keep his promises. The country is getting stronger in every aspect, and most uh, are getting pay raises and tax cuts. Why is it many follow some misguided agenda and attack them? Uh, They are proven winners. Bring it back to sports, I ask. If you were an NFL coach, who would you want as your quarterback? An all-in winner like Brady or the flash-in-the-pan, fading, self-centered national anthem-kneeling, agenda-riding, malcontent, malcontent, I'm sorry, uh, Colin Kaepernick. Bill, before the millennial, millennial, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's it, the millennium. Uh, TMZ boxing fans chime in. Uh, I'm very aware of boxing's so-called winner and self-proclaimed best ever. 50 and 0. I beat everybody I put in front of me, Floyd Mayweather. But Floyd Money Mayweather and Brady are a stark contrast. I see no character or integrity associated with Mayweather, especially outside the ring. I know Brady plays 
a team game and on the job uh, plays the hand he's dealt in the means of a schedule that forces the best to play the best. There's no dealing from the bottom of the deck like selecting a Birdo fight for number 49 and pro-debuting McGregor for number 50, unlike the domino-setting picker, Floyd Mayweather. I'm sure if the Patriots played a college schedule, they would be unbeaten too. Also, when it comes to off-field behavior, you'll never see Brady push an agenda, flash cash, flaunt strippers, toot his own horn, or be involved in any off-field garbage like the -the out-of-the-ring woman beater. Oh, and by the way, in my arrogant opinion, holding numerous regular season records and Super Bowl records for most games, eight, most passes in uh, a career, 357 most completions in a career, 235 most passing yards in a career, 2,576 most passing yards in a game. This is, uh, I think, uh, uh, for Super Bowl records only. Uh, 505 most uh, touchdown passes, career 18. Even if after a loss, it's Brady's temperament, discipline, and disposition, veracity, leadership, and integrity that makes him, uh, in both my eyes and that of many pundits, the hands-down NFL's uh, BQE, best quarterback ever, not his wallet or the car he drives. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you will never hear a Brady fan use uh, how much money he has made as a stat. To end this week's rant, as I watch the country get stronger, the stock market and the 401k scream and watching Brady, now 5-3 and three in Super Bowl appearances, pass for 505 yards in yesterday's game. I do recognize both Trump and Brady as winners with just one possible future flawed panel, inflation. So now, with my eyes wide open, I ask America, please recognize the competition in the ring, on the field, at work, in school, and almost everything you do in life competition is the key to becoming great so let's all rally around the eagles winning their first super bowl and make winning okay again um i can't disagree with with coach i you know first of all brady i my my, my thought on on why people can't stand brady i i respect tom brady and bill belichick but i got to admit i can't stand him either but it's because they beat up on my jets all the time and I think people have a tendency to not like a team when they're when they're so dominating for so long, like the Yankees, like the 49ers when they did. What do you think, Sal? I think it's uh, it, it's along that line, but I think it even goes a little bit beyond. I think uh, you know. Let me tell you, people have asked me who who I wanted to win, and and I gotta respect, and that's what I said. I first said I respect the the. New England franchise and their whole uh, management team, as well as Tom Brady as their quarterback. I love winners, and no matter by hook or crook, except for the other night, they usually find a way or know how to win. They're they're doing it through desire, passion, skill, and heart. And uh, like any fighter, I would love to follow or watch or admire. The same thing for the New England Patriots. I thought, you know, uh, of course I. I love my New York Giants, and I'm probably one of the only Giants fans that would root for New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl, but I did. And uh, they came up short, and they took it like a man. But the bottom line is, or like any good sports uh, sports uh, uh, competitor, uh, and Philadelphia rose to the occasion. They, they took advantage of opportunities, and uh, my hat's off to them. So I do love winners, and I think this country should celebrate winners. Uh, maybe I think one of the reasons why – some people 
don't really follow or want to see a loser or want to see a winner lose is because they they may have identified as that winner or consistent winner maybe being beyond uh, mortality or beyond what they can reach or they aspire and they want to see a flaw they want to see somebody else get it and they want to see somebody trip I don't know, Bill, but uh, I think it's a whole whole mechanism that that triggers uh, people for rooting for uh, underdogs as well, because we always like an underdog. What am I? I again, nobody was hearing me. Why don't you tell me you can't hear me? Jeez, I couldn't hear you, buddy. I'm, 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 I'm tapping my ears. It's not because I have an earache. I'm like, hello. No, I was coughing I and I hit the button. But what I'm saying is, is uh, <laughs> you know, the only people that hate uh, Tom Brady are, are fellow Jet fans. You know. <laughs> And all I know is I leaned over to a buddy and I said, um, you know, when Tom Brady gets the ball back, they're down by eight. Uh, there's a minute and three seconds to go. I lean over. No timeouts. I lean over to my buddy and I go, this is exactly where Tom Brady wants to be. I mean, this is the last guy you want to give the ball back with, with more than, you know, I, I don't want to give him the ball back at all. And uh, But the Eagles, to the Eagles' credit, you know, the what Eagles they credit. did to beat the Patriots was they didn't go into a shell. A lot of times what teams do when they play the Patriots is they get too conservative. They start trying to outthink or think too much, and they don't take chances. They don't, they don't try to, to do great things. The, the, the Patriots do take chances and do great things. That's why they're successful. The Eagles did not fold uh, going for fourth down, scoring a touchdown. Uh, rushing and blitzing Tom uh, Brady when when you knew that he was going to be dropping back to pass and most teams put extra guys back in coverage but you know to Tom Brady's credit and his receivers credit they always find a way to get open just a little to squeeze in a ball Eagles didn't fall for that and uh, ultimately uh, won the game Uh, but uh, I thought it was a great Super Bowl you know I had a lot of fun watching it I I wasn't a big fan of either team I had predicted that the Patriots were going to win but I also said I was rooting for the Eagles 100%, so I was glad that they uh, they won. You did say that, and uh, I, uh, I too, thought it was a great competitive game, and, and, you know, as you said, you know, the Eagles didn't fold. A lot of times, these guys, uh, in the second half, after they get beat up a little bit in the first half, their defense starts to have holes in it, uh, the opposing team against New England. And uh, New England finds a way to, to thread that needle even better and, and, and run up the line, and, and they usually come out, you know, on the winning side. Uh, the Eagles did not give it up, and they did not stop taking those chances. I mean, how many times did they go for a two-point conversion and they blew it? Uh, but still, and with that being said, instead of the seven points or, or eight points, they would have they gotten uh, – they settled for six, to two at least two times. So they did. They fought their heart out. They didn't give up. I mean, it's like a, it's like a fighter. If you're afraid to lose, you're going to be afraid to win. Not afraid to win, but you're not going to do the things to win that you normally would. So uh, like the football team they were, they weren't afraid to lose. They put it on the line. They took the chances necessary, and they proved to be the better team that night in the Super Bowl. You're right. you got to play to win, uh, not play to not lose. And, and that's right. exactly what other teams do. They step in the, the, the game. I was going to say step in the ring. They step on the field and they say, okay, we can't let them beat us. But they don't think about beating them. And uh, no. that's what the Eagles did. Uh, great point. I said bingo again. Um, last email. This is from my man, my main man, Steve Barr. Now, Steve. Steve. Yeah, you remember Steve. He came I down. I do remember Steve. 
He says, uh, hey, Billy C., I hope the event went uh, well down uh, uh, at St. Simon's the other week. I had planned to attend again, this time with my son, but in the end, work got in the way of a good time. I had to travel to San Francisco for work. Not bad, but would rather have been uh, down with you guys. Uh, by the way, I came across an article below in a British newspaper regarding scoring fights and making the scoring more accessible. thought it was an opportune following uh, on from the Triple G Alvarez fight, which seemed to be, which seemed to confound a lot of viewers with a draw decision and such a disparity with one of the judges' score being well out of sync with the other two. Would be interesting in your and Sal's thoughts on that. Well, I printed out, thanks for the email, Steve, and marked down, I'll give you the exact dates, but it's the end of August. Uh, you got to bring your son and uh, anybody else uh, with you uh, to the next event. It's going to be the biggest and best ever. Um, I printed out the... Uh, article that uh that uh uh steve uh, wanted me to to read and um here's here's the gist of it um with the uh with with what the author said he says basically there are a lot of and and obviously there's more to it than this it was it was several pages but the gist of it is is right here he says and i quote but there are a lot of av- there, there i'm sorry he says, but there are plenty of average sport fans who probably would, uh, who would, uh, I can't even read today, but there are plenty of average sports fans who would probably quite enjoy watching boxing if only they understood it. He says, uh, there is a huge simple way uh, to solve this problem. Take the scorecards and put them up on a big screen Every round, not just for the ref to see, not just for the corners of the fighters, but for every man, woman, and child watching in the arena and at home. In no other competitive sport is the score a secret until the very end, and for the average passing fan, channel hopping past a random Saturday night card on Sky Sports, it makes the sport that much harder to understand. Um. The line that says, but there are plenty of average sports fans who would probably quite enjoy boxing if only they understood it, makes me believe that this article was clearly written by a non-boxing fan. Let me explain to you why I feel that way. If you posted the scores for everyone to see. Now, first of all, let me say this. I agree that something has to be done with the scoring system. Or at the very least, we have to make sure that all the judges are scoring based on the uh, a, a fixed priority of the scoring criteria. We all know what the scoring criteria is, but I have a firm belief that many judges put that priority in, in a different order. And thus, we end up with uh, you know scorecards that are out of whack. But here's the problem. If you put a score up on a screen for everybody to see, and in this article, this author says, uh, uh, well, you know, if he sees that you're down eight rounds to one and you're going into, you know, the last round or eight rounds to two and you're going into the last round or whatever, um, you know, it might uh, get you to, to go all out. But, but here's the other negative side. If a fighter sees that he's winning, he may take his foot off the gas. If a fighter sees he's losing, he may quit. His corner might say, you don't have any chance of winning. Let's quit the fight. I don't like the fact that they would post the scoring for everyone to see. I think that we need to tighten up the scoring system, not so much let people look at it. I don't think it has any bearing 
on uh, what you know whether people are going to watch it or not. The only way, the best way to get people to watch the sport is to put entertaining fights on. End of story. Your thoughts, Mr. Rocky Sanicola. Thank you very much. I'm going to tell you this, Bill. I think you know, you know, at our at our last event, uh, I s- interrupted and uh, while we were watching some of the classic fights that were great to watch, and I chimed in and let the casual guests that we had there, uh, including the wives and 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 everybody that may have just curiously stopped in. I got a lot of compliments afterwards when I said to everybody, remember when I when I told them how a fight is usually scored with a 10-point must system and I broke it down and explained them to, to them? They loved it because a lot of the casual fan is not truly aware of how it all happens. Uh, and now we got fans that know how it happens. And maybe, maybe a little slight engagement or invitation. I love when Harold Letterman comes on in HBO every three rounds. And he gives us his his credible and valid opinion of who's ahead and why. And uh, Harold Letterman does a knock-up superb job, the best. And you can see why he's so successful. And uh, I agree with him about 99% of the time. But if we have people engaged, invite, on, let the networks invite people. Hey, get your scorecards out, ladies and gentlemen. Heck, you could sell scorecards out. Let's, let's get them to purchase uh, with a kit. You know, have them for sale. Here, here's scorecards. Get your scorecard. Let's all watch the fight. Let's engage the fight. Here's what you do. You give 10 points to the winner of the round, 9 or less to the loser. If someone gets knocked down, you give it 10-8. Look at the one three-minute round and three separate increments of one minute. And then you see two out of three, who wins that round? You know, there's so many ways. Engage. Let the people become active. They can enjoy the fight, but let them try to be an, uh, an armchair quarterback too. That's my thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean – you know what, and have the have the popular vote score. I, I I don't know about that. No, no, not the popular vote. No, I, I like I said, and you make some credible, valid points too. Why you shouldn't post it on it? Because you know, just like that. I mean, you know, if a fighter knows he is ahead, will he take his foot off the pedal? I don't know. Um, uh, it, it does a fighter when he knows he's behind nine rounds to one, and he's got a last round. He's going to go out for the knockout anyway. Fighters do know. Fighters have the feeling when they're winning or losing a fight. They're in the fight. I mean, it's them. So they they have a hit. They can assess. And they're corner. That's why you have a corner. Now, if the judging's all legit, maybe maybe they should post it on the screen. Maybe they should post it on the TV uh, just to see where where every three or four rounds, like a Harold Letterman, who, whose opinion. Maybe that's something they could do. Uh, but I think the judges just have to be accountable. I think they got to be closer on the same page. And uh, they've got to use the criteria that's that's passed down, and maybe they should take a proficiency test every every couple of years or something else, or maybe like every every industry with uh, real estate, uh, financial services, securities, which I used to do with insurance and stuff. Hey, we got to take continuing education credits. I'm sure the same thing with judges. They've got to take a proficiency test and schooling and everything else too. I would think. Yeah, but I mean, don't don't you think that? There would be some negatives if if the scores were posted for everyone to see. I think there will be negatives no matter what. There's always going to be because you can't please the masses. You can't accommodate everybody. And I do see the flaws if we posted it. Uh, what I mean by flaws is the the possible uh, 
uh, as you said, maybe uh, maybe it might affect the fighters. Maybe not. Maybe the fighters shouldn't know uh, uh, what what what's going on, but they will know because there's there's too much technology today. I don't know, Bill. It's a good issue. It's a good issue. It's a big issue. Maybe they should let them know every three rounds what the three what the three judges are scoring. I don't know. Or maybe they should just keep it with the criteria. Maybe they need to uh, do what they did with Adeline Bird. As if somebody's that far off off course from the other two judges, maybe they need to have a review before they they say who's the winner. Maybe they should just review who the judges are before they give them a pencil and a scorecard. Maybe they should Bingo. just sit down and say, hey, you know, uh, and, and the worst part is you got joke of referees like Joe Ortez. I'm sorry, Joe Cortez training new groups of, of, of uh, referees. And then we wonder why the refs suck. You got people that can't score. They should be given a crayon and a coloring book rather than a pencil and a scorecard. And they're teaching a new generation of, of judges how to judge. The problem is you got to break the, the mold now. You got to reboot here. It's like rebooting. It's like you had to reboot your computer this morning, Sal. You know, the truth of the matter is we have to reboot uh, some things in boxing. Yeah, it's the only do. way to clean it out and fix it. You know, you can't, you can't keep putting Band-Aids on it. Look at our government. Our government, we've been putting Band-Aids on since Kennedy's been in office. Every, every year, or every new president blames the one before him. And then they Band-Aid all of the mistakes. And it's compounded, compound, compounded. Now we're what? How many gazillion trillions of dollars are we in debt? And, and yet, then you have media that, that talks negatively about stuff. And you got half people. You know, you know it, it's amazing that it's come to, and I don't mean to get into politics but it's amazing that depending upon your political view here in the United States, you tune into a specific television network to hear people that agree with you. And if you want a different view, you tune into another network. What happened to one network or all networks, you know, giving the news as it is and let people make their own decisions on their own? You see, we've become a stupid society. We don't even do math anymore. Well, you know, they, they don't even teach kids how to how to write the way they we used to. You know, I, we give everybody a participation trophy. You know, we're becoming dumber. You, you walk it. You, you see people walking around with the cell phones. You know, they want to ask a question. Oh, well, uh, hey, hey, Google, uh, how do I get home? Uh, uh, Google, you know, I, you know, Siri, you know, how, how do I pump gas in my car? You know, I, I mean, give me a break. You know, I, I mean, I mean, we've become so stupid. You know, Siri, I don't know where my house is. Siri, I have to mail a letter. How do I do that, Siri? You know, I mean, come on. We, we become a bunch of idiots, Sal. And it's scary because we're getting dumber and dumber. You know the old saying about your uh, private parts? Hey, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Well, it's the same thing with your brain. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And I'm sorry, but if you're Googling everything to find out this or that, you can't even have a discussion anymore. Hey, uh, Mike Tyson was the best fighter ever. Oh, really? Well, according to Google, he wasn't. You know, it's like, well, who the hell is Google? You know, I, I mean, it's opinionated. I, I don't know, Sal. It's very frustrating. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I'm laughing here, Bill, because, you know, you're a road warrior today. And and, and, uh, and I, I used to be a road warrior uh, when I was with my days with Northwestern Mutual Life. And, and I would be out of the tri-state area. And uh, I'd have clients that lived down in Florida, the Carolinas, this, that. I have to, I had to depend on roadmaps and finding addresses and and, be, and just 
finding the most direct route? Or how many times did I go on 495, the outer loop and the inner loop, and I kept looping more than one time around? And, you know, you learn. You had to learn, and you had to get the most direct way, and you did it on a map. And then maybe you go to trip, uh, you go to AAA, and they'll give you a trip ticker, and they'll highlight your direction. But the bottom line is now, you just ask, Siri, give me driving directions to so-and-so, and boom, you're right there. It's, it's crazy. Listen, you're right. I, you know that I travel back and forth. I've been, I've been down to Florida a uh, hundred gazillion times. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I like, you know, occasionally if I want to mix something up, you know, if, if, I, if I punch in an address in my GPS, it'll take me there. But let's say I want to try something else that's out of, like, for example, I, I go a different way now to avoid some some hassles in Washington and, and Richmond and stuff. And none of the GPSs give you that way, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and so so I want a map, an updated map, because yeah. there's new roads and stuff. You got to go into the places and, and ask for them. I mean, they used to be stacked out. I know. You know, my father I probably know. took all of them. But, but you know, I, I mean, now you got to go ask. And then they make you sign a thing. Okay, where are you traveling? Who are your friends? Where are you going? It's like, oh, geez. You know, I, I mean, come on with all this stuff. Throw me a map. You know, I mean, I'll pay for it. You know, just give me a map. You know, it's like, you know, what do you need a map for? Ask Siri. What do you mean ask Siri? I don't want to ask Siri. Nothing. You know, Google it. You can't. What do you need a map for? Just Google it. No, I want to look at a map. God, you know, I mean, give me a break. It's uh, it's pretty funny. But uh, anyway. Hey, listen. It is. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we are doing uh, our blast from the past on one of my all-time favorite fighters, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. So you're oh, not going to want to miss Tommy that. Hearns. Yeah, you're not going to want to miss that. And you're also not going to want to miss uh, Larry Hazard. And don't forget, we'll be uh, broadcasting Thursday and Friday. We are off all next week uh, because uh, yours truly is going on a vacation. And I just hope I'm uh, 100%. I, I can't seem to shake this uh, cold flu, whatever the heck I got. But uh, in any event, hey, listen, uh, on this day, oh, I meant to tell you, oh, I forgot all about this. On this day in boxing day. history, February 6th in 1998, oh, wow. um, Reggie Johnson knocks out uh, William Guthrie uh, in the fifth round uh, to win the uh, IBF World Light Heavyweight title that took place in Connecticut. On this day in 2004, Glenn Johnson wins a 12-round decision over Clinton Woods uh, to win the vacant IBF World Light Heavyweight title that took place in England. On this day in 1987, Deontay Wilder's trainer, Mark Breland, knocks out Harold Volbrecht in the seventh round to win the vacant WBA World Welterweight title, and that took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on this day in 1987. On this day in 1988, Greg Haugen, wins a 15-round decision over Vinny Pazienza uh, to regain the IBF World Lightweight title that took place in uh, uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. On this day in 1928, Frankie Gennaro wins a 10-round decision over Frank Frenchie Bellinger uh, to win the NBA World Flyweight title that took place in Toronto. And finally, on this day in 1967, Muhammad Ali wins a 15-round decision over Ernie Terrell to unify the world heavyweight title, and that took place at the Houston Astrodome uh, in Texas. And I actually have uh, a poster of that uh, right there in the uh, studio here. What, 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 what can I... What, what, you, 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 Go ahead, speak, what, what, Sal. Well, you want to, I don't know. Should I say? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little gun-shy now. You give me the stage. I don't know. Because on this day of history, it just resonated, and I remembered. 
I fought the co-feature event to Greg Haugen beating Vinny Pazienza in Atlantic City Convention Center. And that was the night I lost a fight against Louis Lamelli, who was the other number one ranked uh, contender in the world and the winner supposedly going on to fight Pernell Whitaker. And that was my last uh, fight. It was February 6, 1988 in the Atlantic City Convention Center as a co-feature with uh, Greg Haugen and Vinny Pazienza. And that was it. So, and then I walked away get... for 25 years, 66 days. I was just going to say, that wasn't your last fight. Your no, last it wasn't fight. my last. Yeah. I, that was my last <laughs> fight before I made my comeback. Hey, listen, my boys and girls, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.